Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, joined as ever by my colleague and fellow editor, Kelsey Zeiser. Hey, Kelsey. Hey there, Phil. How's things? It's rainy today. (laughs) (laughs) It's rainy everywhere today, Uh, it seems like. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Oh, well. I mean... We probably need it. It means you have to uh, you have to sit inside and watch Netflix or something like that instead of uh, going outside and uh, enjoying a, a long uh, walk around the neighborhood, but yeah. still sort of avoiding everybody because yeah. <laughs> we are in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, go out and see all your friendly neighbors, but I was like, ah, just maybe wave to them and run away. That's usually the best. <laughs> We have to stay away anyway because our our dog kind of acts up on a leash and oh Finley, uh, he, I can't can't imagine such a <laughs> I can't imagine he would be poorly behaved. <laughs> he's so cute and friendly, but once he sees another dog on a leash, he's like, oh dear, yeah. Um, he gets this Napoleon complex thing going on. Oh, yeah. Does he do the whole? Does he you know put the big overcoat on and and put yeah. his hand in the jacket? He's oh, like, I'm a big deal. I know people. <laughs> <laughs> Finley with a Napoleon complex is really (laughs) funny. That's a funny, funny visual. This is my street. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, uh, uh, I wish we could do the whole podcast about Finley. We'll probably do one of those before the end of the year. Uh, Yeah, uh, that would be a good holiday podcast, I think. This time around, we did one uh, on on the whole the whole dang internet. Um, so we talked to uh, the CEO of uh, Cogent Communications, uh, Dave Schaefer, and uh, uh, man, I've been interviewing <laughs> Dave about <laughs> about the internet for about 20, 21 years now, or something like that. Phew. Um He's he's a, a a ridiculously knowledgeable guy and runs a company that basically just continues to do the same thing it ever did which is you know high bandwidth low cost mm-hmm. um as cheap as he can connect people and businesses he connects them and um now they've done this uh this global peering exchange where it sounds like he's trying to disrupt the whole space uh you know or still still a very connectivity oriented space but he's trying to disrupt exactly how businesses connect to one another across mm-hmm. multiple networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was a really interesting discussion and um, it was helpful. He gave us about four different types of businesses that would really um, find that peer exchange um, to be really useful. And then also had a chat with him about how the pandemic has impacted um, just bandwidth demand and um you know, it's a it's a great day to be part of a streaming service. I think. Yeah, what I got yeah. out of that discussion. No <laughs> kidding. It's like when you get him going on statistics about what's what's happening in the network. It's like this is he lives and breathes this stuff. And right. so yeah, he had some great stuff to say about that. It's interesting too because he 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 brought up a point. For, I mean, right out of the gate that I just didn't even think about, which was you would think companies would be buying less bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, in a pandemic right. from you know for their corporate offices but he's saying no it's actually gone completely the other way and he gave a great example of why that's happening and how it relates to you know secure remote connections and uh and he also talked about you know their gig service and why that's a, a kind of a breakthrough product you know a, a cheap gigabit symmetrical connection to businesses and you know wh- why that's become such a, a popular thing so 
Um, yeah, it's always great to talk. It's always great to talk to Dave Schaefer about the entire dang internet. <laughs> <laughs> the whole dang thing. Um, <laughs> yep. So, uh, so we have that interview for you right here, right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Nokia, proud builder of IP and optical communications infrastructure, the beating heart of the networks that keep us all going. Nokia IP and optical, the foundation for what's to come. And today our guest is from Cogent Communications. He founded Cogent Communications in 1999, offering high bandwidth, flat rate ethernet connections to businesses. Uh, now the company connects in 47 countries to nearly 1,300 data centers. Uh, please welcome Dave Schaefer, CEO of Cogent. Hi, Dave. Hey, Bill. Thanks for hosting me. Good to catch up again. And uh you know, I'm glad to see you're well. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's good, good to talk to you as, uh, again as well. Um, yeah, you know, going back to that, uh, the, the 1999 timeframe um, and, and, and how mercilessly we, we, uh, we, we, we ribbed you for, uh, uh, for the idea of, uh, what was it, 100, meg, 100 megabits per second uh, flat rate bandwidth to to businesses who, who who would be crazy enough to buy such a thing right you know i remember a number of venture capitalists when i was raising the initial rounds of capital laughing me out of the office and uh, ironically for the last three quarters uh the majority of our sales have actually been one gigabit connections and we actually have more revenue from corporate customers today on our one gig service than we do on our 100 meg service. Oh, interesting. How, how long ago did that did that switch over uh, as, as the new, I guess, the new normal for you guys? Uh, you know, it's been about two quarters now. Okay. So pretty uh, recent. And, wow. uh, you know, we've seen that even with the pandemic, that a lot of businesses, even though they have no employees physically in their office, are anxious to upgrade from 100 meg to a gig because their VPNs are typically concentrated through their firewalls. And by having ample bi-directional traffic, they then can make sure that all of those work from home employees can get in and out of the corporate land. So even even when they're not in the office, they're still upgrading the office because that's where the the nervous system of their like security apparatus and VPNs and all that is is happening. That's correct, and they also still usually operate in some kind of hybrid mode where they have a physical server or multiple servers on site, as well as using cloud and remote servers. And those employees are accessing the corporate land for authentication as well as that content that's resident within the inside the firewall and then using it to validate them as they go to the public cloud. Okay. Um, uh, that's interesting. So it, it, it's been, um, I guess, the, I guess one of the, the challenges that businesses have had has been um, you know, making sure, ensuring that all of their remote employees are, you know, not just connected, at, you know, at all, but connected securely. Um, ha has that unlocked any kind of opportunities for that sort of corporate campus uh, upgrade? Yeah. So a few things. First of all, 
we today connect to about 968 million square feet of office space directly on net at Cochin. Wow. Uh, for those corporate users, they typically have their own security protocols, whether it be privilege access management, uh, you know, LDAP, whatever they're doing in terms of securing their own organization. And they like to have control of that. Most work from home employees build an ad hoc VPN to that firewall. For the mm. largest companies, we see them uh, doing that VPN concentration in the data center. But for the vast majority of businesses, it's at the premise and they use the same security rules in their firewall uh, for those remote employees as they would as if the employees were in their office work. Okay. Yeah. So, so it, it, it so it gives you, uh, I guess, uh, I, I guess it gives, it gives an opportunity for, you know, just for, uh, uh, I, I would say not just secu security, but also just raw bandwidth and that they have to kind of continue to keep up with, um, you know, every single time they change a policy or add some level of processing, that wire has to get bigger and bigger, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, we see corporate bandwidth continuing to grow in line with the Internet, maybe slightly ahead of the Internet, uh, but still business to business bandwidth is de minimis compared to consumer bandwidth. The vast majority of traffic on the public Internet today is streaming video and uh, that application accounts for about 90% of global traffic. Mm. Have you noticed um, since the pandemic, uh, even increase in streaming video services and in uses of um, Netflix and, and services like that? Yeah, Kelly, so we supply bandwidth to approximately 7,200 access networks around the world as their upstream provider and approximately 5,500 content publishers, companies like Netflix, Facebook, Google, Amazon, that are all streaming video. And what we saw is a inflection in the growth rate of streaming video beginning in March. Uh, I think streaming went from being a early adopter product to becoming mainstream. Today, approximately 20% of all video consumed in the world is streamed. That still means there's 80% of content that is getting to the consumer some other way. And we continue to see the cord shaving and cord cutting, the movement away from direct broadcast satellite, as well as linear television to a streaming platform. And we saw a rapid inflection in traffic growth from mid-March through early May. And then after that kind of initial surge, we kind of reverted back to a more normalized growth rate throughout the summer. And with the second wave of lockdowns hitting Europe and now the U.S., 
we've seen a similar type of inflection. Just to put that in uh, perspective, from a highest level in coaches' history, we saw our traffic growth sequentially grow month over month, September and October, 8%. If you analyze mm. that growth rate, that's well north of 100% a year, which is far faster than both the internet is growing and ourselves, and it's being driven by screen. Yeah, that's interesting. Do, do you um, do you see the growth of the internet? You know, has has that um, the I guess the growth of the global internet has that jumped since the pandemic uh, because of all the usage, or has it stayed the same and we're just sort of consuming in different patterns? No, it's actually jumped, Bill. Uh, we've seen the rate of growth increase. So to put it in perspective, there are about 7.4 billion people in the world, approximately 4.9 billion of them access the internet, about 900 million through a fixed broadband connection, and about 4 billion mobily. And what we are seeing as people have limited ways to consume entertainment, they can't go to the movie theater, they can't necessarily go to a live performance, streaming has definitely increased. And we've seen a lot of those forms of content shift in maybe a permanent fashion to the internet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's certainly something that's happened in, you know, in our home and in our business, especially, you know, we've, we've got entire, you know, two, one and two day conferences that have moved completely online that may or may not move back. Um, you know, because the, the being able to connect people, uh, via streaming has worked, worked pretty well. You know, we, we, you know, all all things considered, we haven't really had that much trouble with it. Go ahead. Just switch gears a little bit. Um, and, more about your Global Peer Connect service and how that on-ramps to the Global Peer Exchange and if you have any updates um, of late on that service as well. Absolutely. So, you know, Cochin started with a simple premise that the internet would be the only network that mattered. That turned out to be a good, lucky bet for us, and it's why we've survived when thousands of our competitors disappeared. Transit is the primary way in which a ASN connects to the internet, an autonomous system number. And by having an ASN, you can connect to multiple providers at the same time and use BGP to route traffic between them. The way that historically was done was either at a data center through a cross-connect, or with a remote private line between locations. Both of those methods were difficult to implement and very expensive. A third method that has gotten traction are a number of the existing exchanges that are single points that allow customers to come to a meeting place and exchange traffic. We were uniquely positioned to create a new way to connect. And that's really what the global peer exchange is. It is a global network across our entire footprint that is sold purely on a usage basis. And it is traffic 
that can be directed to a specific AS. So any member of the exchange can choose to connect at to any other member in any location or locations that member operates at. It is this flexibility that didn't exist previously that allows companies to do two things. One, ultimately wean themselves partially from transit, and two, gain greater control of their traffic without the expense of building their own global backbone. Hmm. So we, as a backbone provider, were uniquely positioned to do that. We've got several hundred members today. Traffic uh, is, I think, ramping quickly. This is a new product for Cogent. Uh, you do not connect to Cogent's AS over this network, but it allows both customers and companies that had not been Cogent customers to take advantage of our global reach. I have a couple of follow-ups on that. Um, so the global peer exchange, um, is that kind of competing with, so it, it would obviously be competitive to a company building its own backbone, you know, building its own capacity out, but would it also be competing with like, um, you know, something that would be offered by Equinix or some other data center provider? Um, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what what the market dynamic is there, who, who you would be selling against. Right, where does it fit in the ecosystem? Sure. Uh, and it's different than the single location exchanges like an Equinix. Mm -hmm. So at an Equinix, anyone within the four walls of that building can cross connect through their shared exchange fabric, but you're left within that building. So as a potential member, there are two things. One, you have to get to that building, and two, you have to get your traffic from that building to the rest of the internet. And what our product is doing is combining that functionality of a direct connect, but doing it on a global scale with no pricing uh, dependent on how far you connect. So whether you connect to a customer in the same facility, you customize connect to a customer in the same market, or you literally connect from someone in Chicago to someone in Perth, Australia, you pay the exact same price. Hmm. And what it's really doing is marrying the functionality of a VPLS network and ubiquity of the internet. So it's interesting that most people who use the internet have a hard time describing exactly what they're buying when they buy internet service, whether it be dedicated internet access or transit. Right. You know, the product that we sell is an interface routed bit mile connected to other networks. Uh, that's a mouthful. And if you try to sell that, <laughs> And they hang up on you. Right. <laughs> what global peer exchange does is it deaggregates that product and it's still an interface routed bit mile, but it does not include the interconnection. Okay. And the interconnection is now handed to the two parties to make the decision whether they not want to interconnect or not. 
that has really three key advantages. One, it allows for more direct routing with no intermediate AS. Two, it allows for greater control of your traffic. And third, it meets a gap in the market where many companies are looking to become more of their own backbone. And the barrier entry to build your own backbone has become so large to get to 1,300 data centers, to put routers on all those facilities, to either buy wavelengths or build fiber to those facilities is a multi-billion dollar expense. Mm-hmm. We really brought this to a level of affordability where anyone can connect to a port for the cost of a cross-connect and literally leverage our backbone. Now, we're not a charity, but we price this product extremely competitive, far below where the market is for transit. So it's managing the customer's desires with the network capabilities in a way that no one's ever done before. And are they paying you by the um, by the connection or by the amount of bandwidth going over or both? No, the connection is absolutely free. Okay. Port is free and you pay only on a meter basis. Gotcha. Just frame this for your listeners. You know, we're pricing this at generally about 10 cents per megabit per second, which is below the market average price for transit. Mm-hmm. And the type of business that would, would see, you know, do you have like a, a, a case study type of business that, uh, or a, a specific case study that you sort of built this thinking about, you know, is there a specific type of business that needs this more than others? So there are four business cases that fit this model. <laughs> Just four, huh? <laughs> well, the, the first one is actually directly competitive with coaches. It's smaller transfer providers that don't have our reach, just mm-hmm. using coaches network to extend their reach. That's okay. very acceptable to allow some of these smaller players to gain market share, and eventually they may outgrow coaching. We understand that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, there are access networks that want to directly connect to content. So if you're a regional cable operator, say, in Germany or Spain, right. you want to connect to U.S. content and be able to pick which content you want to connect to. Conversely, the third case is the content publisher. They may want to go to certain networks, but not others for regulatory reasons, for censorship reasons. And then the final use case is really for someone who is attempting to build their own internet backbone and this is a very low cost way to get started. Okay, cool. Well, that, uh, that that's and this is uh, this is a uh, a product that's live now, or you're taking revenue. You know, it's 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 out in the out in the world now, or something you're in the in the process of making. No, it's it's absolutely a real product with okay. several hundred customers on it today. Okay, it's a new product for Cogent. And while we have 7,200 networks today connected, we expect this exchange product to reach thousands within a year. 
Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. We'll definitely have to check back in with you on how that's going <laughs> later. Um, and to circle back um, to our earlier discussion about the popularity of that um, one gig service um, for businesses, is that one way or is that symmetrical? It's totally symmetrical. Yeah. Okay. Ah, interesting. Because uh, uh, yeah, Kelsey brings up a good point because there's a there is a thing, you know, with, with corporate bandwidth, especially you, you buy, um, you know, a, a lot of the gig services that are advertised tend to be one way, right? Or, mm-hmm. or tend to be downstream only, I guess. That's right. Cable particularly is constrained in their upstream capabilities. And for remote employees in a work from home environment, symmetric bandwidth is critical. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, that brings it full circle. Um, yeah, I think we've definitely got um, you know a lot to follow up with you at some point, um, and so it was great speaking with you, and appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Phil. Always, and I'm glad sure. you're safe. So stay well. You too. All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Thanks to our amazing producer, Tian Fu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. And also a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have any ideas about a future podcast topic or a potential guest for the show, please email us at editors at lightreading.com. Please also tell a friend to subscribe and thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. We'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by Nokia, proud builder of IP and optical communications infrastructure, the beating heart of the networks that keep us all going. Nokia IP and Optical, the foundation for what's to come.